Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And to add, we sent their brother Hud. He said, O oh my people, worship Allah. You have no deity other than Him. You are not but inventors of falsehood. O oh my people, I do not ask you for it any reward. My reward is only from the one who created me. Then will you not reason? Sadaqallahul Aliyul Azim. Respected brothers and sisters, dearest viewers, wherever you may be, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Last night, alhamdulillah, we looked at the life of Prophet Nuh alayhi salam, the construction of his ark, his people, the flood. If you haven't watched those episodes, then, and want to know what we're doing, then you can go on our YouTube and Facebook and rewatch those episodes. The playlist will be there. If you want to continue following us on this Ramadan special, then do watch us on your Roku, Jadu devices, YouTube, Facebook, any IPTV, your iOS and Android devices. Now tonight, inshallah, we're going to be looking at a Prophet of Allah mentioned in the Quran several times. Now I must admit myself, I don't know much about this Prophet. I don't know much about his life. And that Prophet being Prophet Hud Now some of the viewers may not know, so inshallah an insightful discussion. But before I introduce our dearest respected guest, I'd like to thank all the viewers out there who've been sending in their messages constantly from around the world, whether you're in Africa, you're in Asia, you're in the uh, Oceania continent, from all over the world, our dear heartfelt thank yous. But without further ado, Dr. Sayyid Amman Naqshawani, Sayyidna, Assalamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Assalam wa Rahmatullah. How are you doing tonight? Very well, thanks, very well. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. Now, Sayyidna, if my memory serves me correct, Prophet Hud is mentioned seven times in the Quran. But the people of Ad are mentioned around 24 times. Now, what's the main summary of why God tells the Muslim community in Mecca to learn from the people of Ad? I think God wants all of us to learn from the people of Ad, not just the people of Mecca. Because the people of Ad very much relate to our lives in the world today, but very much related to the lives of the people of Mecca as well. People of Ad are a unique group of people. <laughs> Everything was going swimmingly for them. I don't think you can find a group of people in the history of humanity with as many blessings showered upon them like the people of Ad. <laughs> you find that these people had, in terms of wealth, a wealth that was unprecedented in terms of number of children, an unbelievable number. In terms of their age, they were living long lives. In terms of the houses they were living in, they reached the stage where they were just building houses for fun, not even to live in those houses. You know, this is a story in the Holy Quran, which not only is there a surah named after Prophet Hud salam, Surah 11 of the Quran, mm -hmm. but there is also Surah Al-Ahqaf. Mm. And Surah Al-Ahqaf relates to the sand dunes. They became so wealthy that they even built themselves houses on sand dunes which they didn't want to live in. They built them for the sake of li living in. Or for the sake of telling others that these are our houses. Wow. So you've got the greatest amount of wealth, the most beautiful city, the most flowing gardens. The technological apparatus also they had was unequaled. So they, they reached the most blessed and privileged position. In my opinion, any nation has reached in the Holy Quran's history. <laughs> We're going to look at the people of Median. We're going to look at the people of Thamud. We're going to look at the people of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to look at the people of Mecca. Mm -hmm. 
But honestly, the people of Ad, nobody had everything going for them in life like they did. And yet still, you would find that they were steeped in idol worship. There was a lack of thankfulness for what they had. And they were taking these blessings for granted. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think when the Surah is revealed to the formative period of the religion of Islam and the Muslim community, mm. it's for them to reflect that, look, when things are going swimmingly for you, don't take it for granted. For there were nations that came before you who were also Arabic-speaking, the yeah. first Arabic-speaking prophet, according to some scholars, was Prophet Hud alayhi salam. Okay. Some said that it was Prophet Ismail alayhi salam. But it was actually Prophet Hud alayhi salam who was the first Arabic speaking prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to a number of scholars. Mm -hmm. They spoke Arabic. You people of Mecca are speaking Arabic. They are blessed. So are you. Mm -hmm. They had a warner come to them. So do you. Mm -hmm. So there's many parallels for the people of Mecca. Likewise, there are many parallels for our lives today. Mm. That sometimes when things are going swimmingly, do we tend to remember the blessings of Allah or do we tend to forgive them? Mm. Forget them. There are some of us who tend to forget the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when everything's going well. When things are down, when things are not going well, that's when we start to talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah. again. So this story of Prophet Hud with the people of Ad, it's a story that not only relates to the people of Mecca, but also relates to our lives today. Now, I like how you use the word swimmingly uh, in, in your answer there. Relating that to Prophet Nuh Now, people survived the flood of Prophet Nuh. Some people survived the flood of Prophet Nuh. What then begins to see the rise of Prophet Hud I think the rise of any Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any nation mm. uh, is mainly related to the fact that there's many impurities now and there is a time to purify that nation yeah. and to remind them of the bounties of their Lord. Many times with the Prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is mentioned that from amongst the community, mm -hmm. God sends a Prophet. He's from amongst those people. Yeah. Part of their aim is to purify what is a very impure community. Mm -hmm. After Nabi Nuh salam, you had the successorship go towards uh, his son by the name of Sam and then Aram. And then you had the likes of Aws uh, and you had the likes of Ad and the likes of Khulud. Then you had Abdullah, the father of Hud alayhi salam. Mm -hmm. What began to happen was people forgot that they were the Khulafa of the nation of Nuh alayhi salam. Mm -hmm. Instead of them being honored to say that we are the ones who are blessed to have been part of the generations that were saved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, they started to completely forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their life. Mm -hmm. On the contrary, if there was any aspect of worship in their life, it was maybe the idols that they had. Yeah. They were saying that these idols are the ones that we follow. But even to say that they were following the idols, that is even a huge statement. I would say they were more interested in the fact that they were able to build the biggest houses. They were competing with each other, mm -hmm. not competing in recognition of God's bounties. Rather, yeah. it was competition to see who's got the more wealth, yeah. who's got more children. Yep. And, and you begun to notice with them, the arrogance begun to overtake them. Yeah. You see, you can have as much wealth as you want, but don't let that wealth get to you where you become arrogant, thinking that you're greater than others. Mm -hmm. What begins to affect their people is that they begin to become so arrogant with their own wealth. Mm -hmm. um, they don't believe that there'll be a day they'll be questioned about this wealth. Yeah. Um, even if somebody wanted to try and become religious from amongst them or follow the original monotheistic message of Nabi Nuh salam, you know, they are described as, um, as people who were willing to kill the members of their communities wow. who, um, who were going towards the monotheistic path. 
So when Nabi Hud emerges, Nabi Hud emerges with the aim of telling these people that, look, these buildings that you're building are magnificent, mm -hmm. but you've completely forgotten that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you with these bounties. You see, if I, for example, build a beautiful house, or I, for example, have uh, wonderful education, all of this sustenance originates from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why as Muslims, we're constantly reminded that always thank Allah subhanahu, always do shukr, always say alhamdulillah. Because Imam Sadiq says, the more you thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the less chance there are of those blessings leaving you. These people, there was no such thing as thanking Allah for the blessings anymore. They had now reached the stage where it was, we're the reason for these blessings. Wow. If it wasn't for our power, our technological advancement, the amount of agriculture that we have, we are the whole reason behind all of these blessings. Mm -hmm. So Hud, like Nabi Nuh salam, when he begins his mission, he simply comes as a well-wisher. Mm. That look, try and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and stop using these idols as excuses for a religion with God. Mm -hmm. You know very well that you've neglected the position of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's a time for you to now to reflect upon this Otherwise, your whole life is in loss. Now, what I gather from that answer is that the people of Ad, you know, the size, the huge sizes of houses, the money, that, that, that's what got to them. And we see in chapter 7, verse 69, it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Then do you wonder that there has come to you a reminder from your Lord through a man from among you that he may warn you. And remember when he made you successors after the people of Noah, and this is the part I want to focus on. And increased you in stature extensively. So remember the favors of Allah that you might succeed. Now, these sound huge. They sound spectacular. Sound yeah, like giants. Yeah, these were these were giants. They were giants. Their houses were their houses were huge. Mm -hmm. And if you're gonna build a huge house of that size, um, you, you, you're gonna be someone quite big yourself. Mm -hmm. And you want to live in that house. Um, you're going to be somebody quite spectacular. And the Quran does mention how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you see, all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from them is to just humble themselves a bit. You know, don't walk around arrogantly on the earth. Just because you've been given this great stature doesn't mean that you completely forget these blessings. Someone says, well, why would God be so interested in them humbling themselves? What effect does it have on God? Mm. It's not what effect it has on God. Rather, the more we recognize these blessings from God, the more humble we become, the better for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You find that with these people, they were probably, in terms of stature, they were blessed more than any other nation in the Quran. Wow. Um, you find this word, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word basta. Mm -hmm. And he uses it as well with Talut when he chooses him as the king of the children of Israel. They're given an immense amount of strength, an immense stature. And they really transformed this whole area where they were living. Yeah. Because the city where they were living, which was known as Iram. Iram. The city of Iram, many of you would have come across the city of Iram when we read, for example, Surah Al-Fajr. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you find that that city Iram is between, between Oman and Yemen. Okay. okay. That city, they made it. You've seen how Manhattan is today. Manhattan, yeah. when you look at the, those who've, been, who've traveled to Manhattan will know it's the capital of all the skyscrapers. You mm -hmm. feel like an ant in Manhattan. Um, you're looking at Fifth Avenue and you're looking at Lexington and Madison and all of these and the you know, Upper West Side and... You go to all these different areas, you'll find that these skyscrapers, you just simply feel like an ant. Mm -hmm. Now you imagine you're as tall as these skyscrapers. Okay. All right. So yeah. you're not talking six foot four. No. You're talking a community which like you mentioned, mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, were blessed with a stature. Now that stature either humbles you well, that stature makes you more arrogant. Yep. What you found, sadly, is that they reached a level. I think one of the most arrogant things they ever said. I think it's one of the most arrogant lines after the lines of shaitan in the Quran. Wow. Who's more powerful than us? 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from a day mm-hmm. where we turn around to somebody and say, Man ashaddu minna quwa. Who's more powerful than us? Yeah. Wow. And above everybody with power is the all-powerful. Subhanallah. You know, Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib salam in the Munajat, which many of us recite in, in Layali al-Qadr, the Munajat of Imam Ali salam, you find in the Munajat, Imam shows the position of the true believer. Mawlai ya Mawlai, anta al-Mawla wa ana al-Abd. وَهَلْ يَرْحَمُ الْعَبْدِ إِلَّا الْمَوْلَىٰ My master, oh my master, you are the master and I am just simply a slave. Who is there for the slave except the master? مَوْلَىٰ يَا مَوْلَىٰ أَنْتَ الْكَرِيمُ وَأَنَا الْبَخِيلُ وَهَلْ يَرْحَمُ الْبَخِيلُ إِلَّا الْكَرِيمُ My master, oh my master, you are the generous, I'm the stingy. Who is there for the stingy except the generous? Oh, مَوْلَىٰ يَا مَوْلَىٰ أَنْتَ الْجَوَادُ وَأَنَا الْبَخِيلُ yeah. Then he has a line, Mawlaya, Mawlaya, Antal Qawiyu wa ana al-Da'if. Ali ibn Abi Talib with all his strength, Badr, Uhud, Khandaq, Khaybar, Hunayn, Jamal, Safin, Nahrawan, no one could mess with Amir al-Mu'mineen on the battlefield. It had to be a coward who had to strike him in a sujood. Yet he says, Mawlaya, Mawlaya, Antal Qawiyu wa ana al-Da'if. Wa hal yarhamu al-Da'if illa al-Qawi. My master, oh my master, you are the powerful. They had reached a level of arrogance wow. where in the Quran they say, Man ashaddu. And this line, I remember this line in, 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 in Surah Fussalat, in Surah 41 of the Holy Quran, mm-hmm. was a line that was said to Utbah bin Rabi'ah, the father of Hind, grandfather of Muawiyah. Yeah. When Utbah bin Rabi'ah was saying that, look, Muhammad, whatever you want, we'll give you. Mm. You know, um, we have all the money in the world. Because, mm. you know, Utbah bin Rabi'a, Abu Sufyan, Abu Lahab thought, you know what, we've got all the money in the world. So Muhammad, whatever you want, we're ready to give you. Mm-hmm. And the Quran replied with these verses. And then took him back to the people of Ad that, listen, before you there were people who said arrogant lines like this. Mm-hmm. Go and read about them. Yeah. You could have all the power in the world. There's always one with more powerful than you. Mm. And that's the very reason for your existence. Mm-hmm. So these people that were steeped in this arrogance because they were looking at themselves as good-looking, wealthy. Quran mentions. An'am, they have. Children, they have. Jannat, they have. Wow. Now, what, biggest danger is when everything's going well for you. Mm-hmm. There's a big danger that you could think, well... If I was doing something wrong, why would Allah give me all of this? That's very true, yeah. I remember Yazid in front of Sayyidah Zainab mm-hmm. salam. Sayyidah Zainab said to him, Let not those who disbelieve think that our granting them respite is good for their souls. Rather, we grant them respite so they may add to their sins. And for them there is yeah. a painful chastisement. Mm-hmm. She tells him to get off his high horse because Yazid was saying that, look, if I'm a bad person, why has God made me the Khalifa? Mm-hmm. Sayyidah Zainab said, God lets people like you continue to have what you have. At the end, for you, there's a painful chastisement. So what Nabi Hud witnesses is people with Jannat, with Benin, with An'am, mm. built the most spectacular city and they kept on going higher and higher. Wow. Because in their eyes, the higher the building, the more power, Mm. And then they could become gods, not needing to worship a god. Now, their arrogance. Now, this is it's a major disease in any community. If, if there's arrogance in a community, it's just a major disease. Now, the people of Nuh, السلام, the true followers of Nuh, السلام, yeah. did they still exist? And if so, how was their faith? That's an excellent question. There were still Shi'at Nuh. Shi'at Nuh. Someone says, you can't say Shi'at Nuh. Is this the Shi'a using the word Shi'a again? No. Because in a couple of nights when we come to Nabi Ibrahim, it says, وَإِنَّ مِنْ شِيَعَتِهِ لَإِبْرَاهِيمِ Ibrahim was of the Shi'a of Nuh. Hud was of the Shi'a of Nuh. There were people living at the time who were of the Shi'a of Nuh. Nuh. 
Shia means a party of people or a group of people. You could be Shia Nuh, you could be Shia Ibrahim, you could be Shia Liverpool Football Club, you could be Shia of anyone. You're a party of or a group of or supporters of. Yep. Nabi Hud, he had certain people around him who were followers of Nabi Nuh Some of them began to lose hope. Really? Because Nabi Nuh had told them, had prophesied, one mm. day Hud will emerge. They were wondering, where is this Hud? Yeah. Which Hud? They knew the name, mm. but they weren't certain. Is that the Nabi Hud who's going to emerge? Oh, wow. Sometimes when a prophet tells you of a day when a Messiah will appear, it's not easy to hold on to that Iman. Mm -hmm. Even now with us. Well, the biggest test for us is awaiting our Iman. iman it's not yeah. easy. No. Because you're really tested in your faith. Every time you hear people ask the question, is this the year? Is this when the Imam will reappear? Is this when the Imam will reappear? The same thing was happening to the people of Nuh, Shi'at Nuh. Yeah. They were wondering, Nabi Nuh one day mentioned a person who would emerge by the name of Hud. Where is he? Mm. This group of people, the people of Ad, have become so arrogant. They've put their main idols on display. Mm. We're far away from the monotheism of the time. All they're concerned about is how big is my house? How many kids do I have? Mm. How wealthy have I become? Which building have I built? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eventually gives them the news of a prophet to rise from amongst them. Now, Prophet Hud alayhi salam, as you like to mention in the, in the previous nights that, you know, he can't have, no prophet of Allah can have a black dot on their CV, yeah. as we say. Who influenced him to stay on the straight path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Well, I think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks after his prophets as they, as they grow up, but his mother was very influential. Okay. Somebody who hardly has ever mentioned the story of Nabi Nuh is his mother. His mother was extremely influential. She, she was an upright woman looking after not just his, you know, her, his father, Abdullah, was a very mm. upright, sincere uh, human being, but his mother was a very upright woman and she would always take great care to ensure that the pollution that surrounded her son in terms of what the people um, of Iran were doing would not affect him. Mm. Yeah, the family had a very aristocratic but noble, humble status in the area at the time. Now, as with other prophets that I've done in the previous nights, I think it's only fair that I do it with Prophet Hud alayhi salam. What does his name mean? Where does it come from? Well, there are different opinions. Um, you know, if you're looking at one opinion is that the idea of the guide, mm -hmm. because Hud, Huda, Hidayah. Yeah. Yep. And if a person goes towards the laws of Ishtiqaq in the Arabic language, then possibly there is some sort of connection with guidance. That is the opinion of some scholars, others differ. Okay. Now, how old was he when he started his message? He was, uh, he was a bit more fortunate than Nabi Nuh alayhi salam because Nabi Nuh, we said yesterday, how old was Nabi Nuh alayhi salam when he began his mission? 850. 850. Yep. Whereas Nabi Nuh alayhi salam was, uh, Nabi Hud alayhi salam was 40 years of age. Okay. So similar to the Prophet Muhammad yeah. alayhi, he began his mission at the age of 40. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now Hud was one of the people, the Quran stresses on prophets being from amongst um, the people of the community. What lessons can we take from that? Yes, uh, you're absolutely right that many times in the Quran there is this mention that the Prophet is from those people. You find that the Quran mentions that to the people of Ad was sent their brother by the name of Hud. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, he knows the people. Yeah. He knows what they're about. He knows how to talk to them. He knows the language to talk to them. Mm -hmm. The people at the time were speaking the Arabic language. And he begins to talk with them in their language. He knows who, how to speak to them on the level of their intellect. Mm -hmm. So you, you have that on the first level. You see, if I have now a mosque in the Muslim community mm -hmm. and I bring a lecturer to that mosque and that lecturer in, in that mosque, for example, he comes from a completely different background. Mm -hmm. He's not going to connect with the people. Yeah. So what you have in the Quran is that he is from amongst them. The first reason so that he could relate to them. And I think mm -hmm. that's a fundamental reason. Okay. Number two, they've seen him grow in their community. Mm -hmm. 
He was, Nabi Hud السلام, was a phenomenally successful businessman. He had amassed a great amount of wealth himself. You see, something what, that never happens with Nabi Hud السلام, <laughs> is that there's never an accusation with Nabi Hud السلام, that he was a poor person or he's just doing this, for example, um, to earn more money. And even those who try to say to him, how much do you want? He would say that, you know, my ajr is with the one, فطرني, the one who yeah. created me in my origin. So Nabi Hud was this fantastic businessman. And he was therefore known for his trustworthiness. And I repeat this with every prophet that we're examining. That every single prophet of Allah examining the Quran, their trustworthiness has to be impeccable. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the people will attack them. So from a young age, he was a very successful businessman. The people could relate to him. They've never seen him utter a lie. And that would be fundamental when he begins his preaching to them. But don't you think it will be, don't you think it will be a bit harder if someone, for example, someone in our community, they've grown up in our community and we've known that person for a very long time. Now, we might see that person as being lower than us in the community and then all of a sudden they come out and they say you know what we're a prophet of Allah is that not harder than just a stranger coming in to the land no I don't think so I think you know if that person has had an impeccable uh, reputation uh, amongst that community there's not going to be it shouldn't be that hard for the people to accept unless he begins to clash with some of their worldview mm. Hood begins to clash and begins to talk about that which hurts. Yeah. The fundamental area that Nabi Hood spoke about that got to the people of Ad was he told them there will be a day they will be resurrected and they will be made accountable for all their actions. Mm-hmm. When a community is steeped in its own lifestyle, a lascivious lifestyle. They don't want you telling them there's going to be a day of accountability. They want to say the famous phrase, you only live once. Mm. They love that. There's two phrases people love. You only live once and only God can judge me. Some use it in an appropriate manner. Others know. When they say you only live once, it means just enjoy everything. Forget Mm. responsibilities. Forget who you're oppressing. Forget who you're hurting. Nabi Hud, they respected him. The moment Nabi Hud reminded them of Qiyamah, that's when it got to them. Exactly the same as when the Holy Prophet was speaking to the Meccans. Yep. When the Holy Prophet was saying to them, believe in Allah, they're like, okay, okay, we believe in God. They had their idols, they believed in them. When the Holy Prophet begins to tell them, believe in prophets, they're like, okay, we believe in Ibrahim salam. The Meccans used to believe in him. Mm. When the Holy Prophet would begin to talk about Naba, Haqqa, Qiyamah, that's when it got to them. So with Nabi Hud it's not a problem for you to be from amongst the people. It's when you touch the jugular with what you're talking about. The first area, and I'll come back to the, uh, a few areas in a moment because I know we have the break now. But the first area was he begun to tell them there'll be a day they're going to be made accountable for every penny they've spent. Every bit of money they've earned. Mm -hmm. That person who's just throwing money around. Mm. You know, human beings can reach a stage. Believe you me, there are football players who are known that they earned so much money, they began to smoke the pound notes or the dollars because of how much money they were earning. They began to smoke it. Mm. There are children in Africa who can't afford to have a meal. And the human being can reach a level where they literally throw money away Or they smoke money to say that, look how wealthy I become. One of the areas that gets to them is when you say to them, you know what? For every pound or dollar that you just throw away like that, there's going to be a day of accountability for what you've done. Mm. So the first area where Hood got to them was reminding them of a day of Qiyamah. They hated that. Mm -hmm. Don't speak to us about a day of resurrection. That's the worst thing you can speak about. Mm -hmm. But then there was a couple of other areas which really got to them in his message, which will come to shortly. Now that was Prophet Hood's message from his side. Stay tuned. After the break, we will see what the, uh, the people of Prophet Hood replied to him. 
Stay tuned for the short break and for part two where you can ask your questions to the Sayyid. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Brothers and sisters, respected viewers Welcome back to the second part of the life Discussing Prophet Hud alayhi salam Now Sayyidina, you mentioned before the break That yes. Prophet Hud alayhi salam talked about the day of judgment How yeah. one day that the people of Ad were all going to be held accountable For the money that they're spending, the money that they were throwing away How did they respond to him? Well, it wasn't just Qiyamah that affected them. Qiyamah was the first area where he begins to remind them that, look, there's a day of accountability for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, firstly, you worshipping these idols is a major sin. Mm -hmm. These idols do not deserve to be bowed down to, which really hit them. Mm. They would say that our idols are more powerful than the idols of, in the time of people of Nuh. And therefore, those people were destroyed, but our idols will save us. Mm -hmm. Firstly, he told them that, look, these idols that you worship do not deserve to be worshipped. There is only one who deserves to be worshipped, and that is Allah who created you. So that got to them, firstly. Secondly, reminding them of the day of judgment. Thirdly, when they'd say to him, where are the angels to come and guide us? Why should we believe in a man like you? who is a Bashar just like us. And this is an interesting point. When the truth comes, you don't need it to be an angel. You don't need it to be a prophet. You don't need it to be an old man or a young man. When something comes to you and it makes sense, stop making a hundred excuses. Mm -hmm. There are some people when you want to guide them towards God's path, they'll make excuses as to why they're not religious on the path. They'll say, for example, you know what, I respect what you're saying, but I prefer if someone says it who's a bit older than you. Yeah. For example, I do respect what you're saying, but where's your references for that? Mm. He knows what you're saying rationally makes sense. Sometimes you don't need the reference there and then. Mm -hmm. Rationally, Allah gave you the intellect. Mm -hmm. What I'm telling you, what's irrational about it? Yeah. I'm telling you that these idols do not deserve to be bowed down to. Mm -hmm. God cannot be... Define for when you define God in a certain place, you're limiting God. Yeah. What's so irrational? They'd start making these excuses. But their main point was our fathers have been practicing in this way. And that's sometimes the biggest problems you'll find prophets face in the Holy Quran. A community is not willing to change the way they practice because they found their fathers practicing in this way. Mm -hmm. And this affects all of us until today, by the way. Until today, this affects yeah. us. That look, my dad used to always do things in this way. I'm not changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what you're doing, is it rational or is it irrational? What you're doing, is it harming the image of the religion or looking after the image of the religion? No, my father, his father, his father, his father have all practiced in this way. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I'm not going to change it. You could come and tell us that there is a different way. You can come and give us the maw'idah. Mm -hmm. But irrespective of whether you give us this or not, we're not listening. Yeah. So Nabi Hud salam faces this difficult time with them where he tries his hardest on the front of Tawheed, on the front of Qiyamah, on the front of telling them that, look, not everything your fathers did was necessarily correct. Mm -hmm. But they would just simply come back and say that, look, we've got these big buildings. We've got the best gardens. We've got the most lush rivers. Mm -hmm. The weather in our area is the best weather. Why should we listen to anything that you've got to say? Mm. This will continue and continue forever. And that's why there's an interesting discussion when he asks them, when Allah subhanahu wa talks about this in the Quran, these houses that you've built, 
Do you think that these houses are going to remain with you and you're going to live forever? You know, sometimes the human being falls into this trap. Mm -hmm. It's not wrong to have a nice house. But don't forget there's a day that that house will crumble and there's a day you will go six feet under the ground. Yeah. Prepare yourself for the hereafter. Live in this world as if you're going to live in it forever. But prepare for the day of judgment as if it's going to come tomorrow. So you found with the, the, they would react and they were getting very unhappy with his constant reminders. Now similar to the people of Prophet Nuh yep. um, Prophet Nuh as we know was attacked as we discussed yesterday, physically attacked. And you said that you mentioned that his ear was bleeding for three continuous days. Do we find the same thing happening to Prophet Hud alayhi Yes, they, they, they beat Prophet Hud unconscious. Wow. They all ganged up on him. Wow. The main wealthiest figures of the people of Ad. Mm -hmm. And they beat him unconscious. Wow. Nobody stood up for him. You know, he tried his hardest to stand up. They kept on beating him and beating him mm -hmm. until he just fell there unconscious. Sometimes you don't find that verse in the Quran, but in the hadith they show you that these prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their followers, let's make clear, yeah. a couple of their followers, the moment that they would know this person follows Hud and doesn't follow the idols that we are following, they would execute them. Again, related to Mecca. Mecca, when the Prophet began preaching, the Meccans were torturing Bilal, tortured Ammar, killed Yasir, killed Sumayya. So the aim, therefore, of the story of Hud and Ad mm. was to try and give solace to those early Muslims. And even to some Muslims in the world today, there are Muslims who are a minority living in some countries. Yeah. Those Muslims who are a minority, sometimes they get oppressed, sometimes they're the victims of Islamophobia. Yeah. And these people yep. could not take what Nabi Hud was doing. I remember there is an ayah in the Holy Quran where when Hud was speaking, they would all be shouting that this person is who? Rajulun bihi jinnah. He is a man who is possessed. Wow. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, what did they call him? They said to him, that you are Majnoon. Mm. They would also call Hud Kadhab. They'd call the Holy Prophet Kadhib. So even you would find that in the story of Nabi Hud السلام, when they say Rajulun bihi jinnah, they would say that this person is possessed. Our idols, you know what our idols have done to him? Our idols have caused him to speak nonsense. They were so attached to this world. And that's, that's, that's a, a balance that we have to achieve and it's very difficult to achieve. How do you balance dunya and akhirah? Mm. There are many of us who love our cars. We love our houses. We, you know, we call them the cribs. You know, people yeah, want to yeah. live in the nicest cribs. You want the nicest houses. You want the nicest, uh, you know, watches. You want the nicest cars. Is that wrong in Islam? It's not wrong. But don't let it make you an arrogant person. Mm. Don't let it make you somebody who thinks that these things make them better than others. Yep. And that's why Islam always established the five times a day prayer to remind us that when you go down on that prayer mat and do sujood, there'll be a day that you're going to be buried under that earth. Now Sayyidina, surely a community cannot reach a level of arrogance where they're just never willing to change. Like, were there any signs that you know, made them rethink their ways? Because they say loudly in the, in the Quran, it says in chapter 46 verse 24, and when they saw it as a cloud approaching their valleys, they said, this is a cloud bringing us rain. Rather, it is that for which you were impatient, a wind with a painful... A cloud pain. bringing us rain. Yeah. A cloud bringing us rain. They're so used to the most beautiful weather. When they needed rain, it was there for them. When they needed the sun, it was there for them. Mm. When they needed the best in terms of agriculture and technology, it was there for them. Mm -hmm. The An'am, the Banin, the Jannat was all there for them. It seems from that ayah that when they say, and there's a cloud coming, that there was a drought that affected them. All of a sudden, the whole thing they built their character on. We are the people of Iran. Mm. We are the ones who have the best of weather, mm. the greatest number of children, the greatest physique, the best looking people. 
when suddenly there was no more rain coming to them, they began to notice that these crops aren't growing like they used to. Mm. That cattle aren't enjoying the agriculture like they used to. They're not helping like they used to. Our children aren't enjoying the gardens and the rivers like they used to. Some people were affected. That okay. what have we been doing? This whole dunya overtook us. Yeah. What's happened to us? That we were people who were the khulafa of Noah. Mm -hmm. We were Shi'at Nuh. Mm. And now look at us. Wow. All we cared about, I'm telling you, I've seen houses in some Middle Eastern countries. The house is built, subhanAllah, how history repeats itself. The house is built on a mountain. Nobody lives in there. Just there. Nobody lives there. Why is it built? Oh, that's my house. Okay, okay, Habib, but is there anybody living there? It's like a 46 bedroom house. No, but it's my house. Okay, but don't you think that there are people in the world mm. who could benefit if you sold that property? Or if you could benefit the poverty stricken by letting many of them live within there? Mm -hmm. There are people in the world who can't afford to live anywhere. No, I'm just building as one. Many of us can be affected by this, and they were. There was only a few of them that changed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, as with any prophet, and let's say any human being, sometimes the people who can be your enemy is the people who are closest to you. Mm. Now, we learned with Prophet Nuh, his biggest challenge, one of his biggest challenges was his wife. Yeah. Did Prophet Hud face the same challenge? Yeah, Prophet Hud's wife was as difficult as Prophet Nuh's wives. Listen, wow. prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in many cases, had some difficult wives. You know, some of their wives gave them huge headaches. Mm. Um, you know, that's all in my head. I can think of maybe five prophets of Allah who faced difficult moments with their wives. Mm -hmm. And Nabi Hud's wife was not helping him. There was a group of people from, um, from a farm that wasn't too far from the land of Iran. Um, and when the drought happened, they, you know, they wanted to come and see Nabi Hud. They realized that, you know what, this Hud... This Hud's a prophet of Allah SWT. Mm -hmm. This is the Hud who Nabi Nuh told us about. Yeah. And they didn't find him. Who answered the door? His wife. So they were oh. like, we'd love to see Prophet Hud. We want to come back towards the path. Um, is there any way that we can see him? And his wife's like, you guys, are you foolish? Wow. If anything was going to be a blessing, it would have come upon him if he was a real prophet. Where's the blessing on us? Go back. Don't waste your time. So you find that his wife, just because she's married to a prophet of Allah like we said yesterday, with Nabi Nuh, she was one of the people who was turning people away from coming towards the path that he had established. Now Sayyid, before, I want to ask you the question, but before you describe it, I want to set the scene for the viewers. I want you to describe the final moments for these people. Now chapter 69 verse six is, verses 6 and 7. Say, and as for Ad, they were destroyed by mm. a screaming violent wind, mm. which Allah imposed upon them for seven nights and eight days in succession. So you would see the people therein fallen as if they were hollow trunks of palm trees. Describe that moment for our Yes, yeah, a vivid description. Hud and Ad and the final moments of that city and the land of Iram. It's a vivid description. I can't describe better than the way the Lord has described within the Holy Quran. Yeah. Um, you know when that, when that cloud was coming towards them, mm -hmm. you know what they were saying to each other? They were saying, look at that hood telling us that there's going to be uh, a wind that's going to seize us because of our behavior. Where's his wind? Mm. There's a cloud. We're going to have our rain and we're going to come back to being the powerful people that we are. Mm. Seven days? Eight, seven nights, eight seven days. Seven nights, eight days. That is a destructive week that happened to those people. Mm. Literally, Nabi Hud made sure he gathered the believers who were with him. They left the area. Every mansion that was built. Wow. Gone. Rubble. What did Imam Ali say? Mawlaya, Mawlaya, anta al-qawiyu wa ana al-da'if. Wa hal yarhamu al-da'if illa al-qawiyu. They used to build houses because they used to say 
that this house we're building is our Jannah. The Jannah Hud promises we can't see. This is our Jannah. As they would be finishing the building of the house, the angels of death would be coming and taking their souls away. Come, you come with me. You come with me. You come with me. Every mansion on the Ahqaf, on the sand dunes, were all bought to rubble. There wasn't a single mansion. All that was left was a sign for the future community of Saleh. Mm. That this is the rubble. You know about the people of Iran. Mm. They were tall. They were in great stature, in great shape, with great wealth, with many children. Mm. They were arrogant towards the Lord and to the sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you think you can beat my Prophet who has come as a well-wisher to you and you mock his warnings, try recover from this. Mm. Now, as with any person, if a natural disaster was to overcome their area, they, and, the, and if they were to survive that, they would want to leave. They would want to find somewhere else that was safer. So where did Prophet Hud head to? After Mecca. That? Subhanallah. You know, I think, I think it's probably <laughs> the safest place you could go. Yep. <laughs> um, he'd go towards the Mecca region. Um, and he went there and he settled with his followers. Yeah, they went towards okay. that area. Subhanallah. Yeah. Now, how long did his message last for? The, some of the narrations mention that he spoke to his people for 760 years. Wow. Yeah, so Nabi Nuh was how long? We said yesterday, 950. 950. So Nabi Hud comes a close second, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now, as with any prophet, the most important thing to do coming towards the end of your life is leaving a successor. Who was Prophet Hud's successor? His successor is the prophet we're going to look at tomorrow night. Okay. And that is Nabi Saleh, mm. alayhi salam. Mm. Who went to the people of Thamud? Okay, should be an interesting one. Yep. Yeah, 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 with yeah. the famous story of the she camel. So he announced his successor to everybody because surely, as the prophet of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, you cannot leave this world mm. without making clear who your successor is. Now, of course, any human would leave this world. Um, there are narrations that state that Prophet Hud was buried in Wadi Salam. Now, what significance does that have? I must admit that I can't still figure out the evidence behind the graves of Nabi Hud and Nabi Saleh being in Wadi Salam. Okay. Now there might be people out there with more knowledge than me who are able to guide me as to the basis of that opinion. I've seen a number of opinions as to where Nabi Hud is buried. One opinion is in the Hadramaut area of Yemen. Mm -hmm. That's an opinion. That there is uh, a grave there which is written, I am Hud, the Prophet of Allah. I am a believer in one God. So that's one opinion. There is the opinion mentioned, two opinions mentioned in the Bihar of Majlisi. Mm. Imam Ali alayhi salam talking about Nabi Hud being buried in the Nukhayla area mm. in Kufa. But then he also mentions the opinion that you've seen the Hijr Ismail area around the Kaaba, the semicircle yeah. around the Kaaba. Mm -hmm. They say that Nabi Hud is buried there. Wadi Salam, as we know, we have a number of narrations from the time of Imam Ali whoever's buried in Wadi Salam will not face punishment that others face after they die. Al-Kafi has numerous narrations about Wadi Salam um, and the wish of you know, the holy personalities to be buried there in the vicinity uh, of, you know, within the land of Najaf. But I cannot find evidence that that tomb mm. of Nabi Hud and Nabi Saleh in Wadi Salam is their actual one. Okay. Closest I got is, as I said, the Nukhayla area of Kufa, that, that where... You know, considering Nabi Nuh السلام, is buried in Najaf, one would say it's not far-fetched because Wadi Salam is just that short walk, mm. you know, mm. uh, from the grave of Nabi Nuh السلام. However, evidence-wise, I, I can't find anything that says Nabi Hud is buried in Wadi Salam. There may be something out there. Now, yeah. see, then let's rewind back to the people of Ad. Would you blame them 
for thinking that they've not done anything wrong since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them so much. Yeah, we, we can all fall into that trap. We can all fall into a trap where we're like, well, if God's given me that much, then I can't be sinful because mm. He wouldn't give me if I was sinful. No. Um, just because you're given a lot doesn't mean you're a very religious person. And just because you're given little doesn't mean you're unreligious. Yeah. You know, we have to remember that. You know, sometimes people think if I'm not very wealthy, that means God doesn't like me. Mm -hmm. And if I'm wealthy, that means I must be one of the most beloved of God. No. Wealth, rizq comes in different forms, I would say. Mm -hmm. There are some who have the biggest houses, but they're not healthy. Yep. Some who have the biggest houses, they can't get their kids to come towards the mosque and listen to any lectures. Mm -hmm. Some who have the biggest houses, their sons and daughters don't talk to them. Yeah. We don't we never fall into a trap that just because life's going well, that means God loves me. Mm. Sometimes we are going to be tested in different ways. Yeah. Now, Sayyidina, we're going to take a few questions from WhatsApp coming in. Um, this one says, Assalamu alaikum. What is one of the main ways we acquire moral and spiritual goods in Islam? Would the, say, would the Sayyid say that primarily we admire exemplary figures and then emulate them? Yes, as in uh, there is no greater people to gain moral and spiritual guidance from than Muhammad and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa They came to establish uh, a moral code. And if you just reflect on dua makaram al-akhlaq, that's enough for you in life. Of yeah. Imam Zain al-Abidin. Now another question here saying, uh, were the people of Ad offsprings of the people of Prophet Nuh alayhi salam, those who had bought Yeah, those who had survived, they were from the generations that came after them. Okay. Yes. Oh, yes. and that's why you mentioned that they said what had happened to us. Correct. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, these were the khulafa of Nuh. You know, the successors to Nabi Nuh Now Sayyidina, just for the viewers out there, because I'm sure they'd all want to know, what is enough for a Muslim? Should we, as in, are we able to chase these mansions and cars and There's money? nothing wrong with people out there having, let's, let's make something clear from this episode. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely nothing wrong with people out there having mansions or having the nicest cars. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But just don't let it get you to a stage where you show arrogance towards others. Uh, that was the downfall, not just of the people of Hud, but as we studied earlier, the downfall of Shaytan as well. So enjoy those things. Live in this world, but don't let the world live in you. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for giving us this insightful discussion on the life of Prophet Hud as I'm sure I've learned so much from this episode and I hope all the dear viewers have done so as well. Do join us tomorrow as we look at the successor in line after Prophet Hud Prophet Saleh Tune in tomorrow 7.30 UK time. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We encourage you to look at our audio library for more content on Quran, ethics, lifestyle and spirituality. Imam Hussain TV3, your gateway to Karbala.